Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, and welcome to the 404 Media Podcast, where we bring you unparalleled access to hidden worlds, both online and IRL. 404 Media is a journalist-founded company and needs your support. To subscribe, go to 404media.co. As well as other bonus content, subscribers can hear us answer their questions in future podcasts. Ask us anything you want on podcast at 404media.co. I'm your host, Joseph, and with me are two of 404 Media other co-founders because Sam is out today. First of all, we have Emmanuel Mayberg. Hello. And Jason Kebler. Hello. Good to be here. Good to be here. I mean, for some behind the scenes, Jason's basically trying to write an article right now and publish it. I know. Something breaking. It's been a breaking article. It's on the internet. Wait, I'm, I, you have my full attention, as does our our wonderful audience. Oh no, I wasn't doubting that. It was more just that we're trying to break multiple stories while also recording a podcast while also trying to run a company. Um, but we're all pretty busy, and there's a lot going on today. So let's get straight into something that we did just break. Um, first of all, well, there's two stories. The first one is called "Giant AI Platform Introduces Bounties for Deepfakes of Real." people um emmanuel before we get into anything broader about civet ai let's sort of cut to the chase about these bounties what exactly is new here and what is happening with these bounties so what is new is that you can now go to civet ai sign up make an account and post a bounty where you offer um a virtual currency that you can buy with real money on the site to incentivize other users on the platform to make custom AI models of specific people. So you go to Civit AI, it will have, for example, a ton of AI models that are very good at making AI images of, say, Scarlett Johansson, because she's a big celebrity and people want to make images of her. Um, So there's a lot of options, but maybe you have a lesser known celebrity, a YouTuber, a Twitch streamer, some athlete, some Instagram influencer that doesn't have an AI model on the site already. Um, Then you can offer currency that's called buzz for someone to make that people compete to make the best AI model and you decide who the winner is. You pay them the currency and then that person you can either download the files that make up the A model from the bounty page, 
but uh, in many cases, people also go on to just like upload that model um, to Civit AI. And we've seen dozens of bounties for real people. Most of them are celebrities, um, often lesser known celebrities. Like I said, Twitch streamers. Often, I, I, I notice, for example, that a lot of them are not English speaking. So it's like German Twitch streamers, um, uh, other European Instagram influencers, stuff like this. Um, but we did find one case in which there was like a normal quote unquote civilian um, with a bounty uh, to create an AI model of her. And she's not a celebrity, not a Twitch streamer, nothing. She's just a normal person with a very small following on social media platforms where, you know, she seems to be interacting with her friends and family. It has, it is not a famous person or a person seeking publicity in any way. Yes. And I mean, we don't name this person because we did reach out to them for comment right after we managed to identify them. They didn't get back to us. So obviously it would be very strange if we then start saying, hey, look, this person who's a complete rando, here's their name and everything like that. Obviously, we're not going to um, do that. But basically, to sum up what you said, Civit AI has created a financial incentive for one random person to create an AI model of like a completely other random person. They'll never meet. They don't know each other. It's a pure value exchange. But the end result is that there's now an AI model of this woman that anybody can download and then make deep fake images or videos of that's basically it um but for those who don't know like what is civit ai like is it a company is it a community because i'm almost a bit confused about that myself like they have a discord and stuff but as we'll get on to a little bit later they're getting a lot of money like what is this uh what is civit ai so this is a platform that I covered when we first launched 404 Media. Um, you know, at the time we were thinking of what are the biggest stories that we want to do? Like what's going to make us splash? What do we think is super important? And I thought Civit AI was one of those things. The best way to describe it, in my opinion, is it's a marketplace. It is a platform. You can make an account. It's free to make an account. And then you can up- upload models. And it's just a place for people to exchange these models. Initially, the way that it was monetized is, you know, people pay for premium accounts that give them access to more features. It gives them flair. Like there's a bunch of community social media features in there and people would pay for those. Um, and I mean, that's broadly it. The, the, the thing that is a problem with it, in my opinion, is it allows people to create AI models of uh, AI models that are good at generating pornographic content, which on its own I don't think is an issue. And it also allows people to generate AI to to to, to share AI models of real people, which is slightly more problematic because you immediately get into issues of consent. But um, the policy on Civit AI is that you're not allowed to have you're not allowed to share a pornographic AI model of a real person. But what the, the part of the reason that Civit AI is so popular and is such a useful platform is that it easily allows people to like mix and match models, right? So you can be like, I'm going to take a model that's very good at generating generating Ferraris, and I'm going to make I'm going to take a model that's very good at generating like 
fur and I'm going to make like a furry Ferrari. And that's like a cool thing that you can do with AI. But you can similarly do, you can similarly use that feature to take a model of a real person, take a pornographic model and boom, like you're making deep fake porn. That's, that's kind of what the, the platform is for. Yeah. And how is Civit AI's, uh, if that's the policy, what's the moderation enforcement actually like? So I think to be fair to them, and um, I've always said this, I've said this in the story that we published initially back in August, it's like they do enforce this policy. If there is, if, if I've seen many images of celebrities that were pornographic and they were taken down, sometimes they're not taken down. And that's something that happens on like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's like, you know, moderation is, is an imperfect thing always, um, but they do enforce it. The thing is that um, people take the models and generate the images off platform. So it kind of enables the abuse, um, but it doesn't, it tries not to host it itself. I would say one thing that um, since we published this initial investigation in August, Civit AI used to send you to a different, like you would pick the models and, and Civit AI would be like, if you want to generate images with these models, try these websites. Um, and would send you there directly. And now Civit AI itself allows you to generate images. And I've reached out for comment about this. I don't have an answer from Civit AI about why they allow this, but it's like you can easily, within seconds, like as soon as I saw the feature, I was like, type a name of celebrity, type a prompt of a porn act, like a like a some sort of sexual act, and pick a pornographic model, and boom, it's like it generates uh deep fake porn immediately i was gonna ask that essentially because it's not clear to me whether this is like a philosophical decision by civet ai that it's going to just be ai maximalist and allow people to do pretty much anything that they want or whether they don't want this stuff on their platform but they're just doing a bad job of removing it and to me, it seems like they almost want it both ways where they like have this policy, but it's not super well enforced. And then they're also introducing all of these incentives for people to develop things like this. And I guess I'm wondering, what what do you think? Like, where do you think they sort of fall on this? I think that they're, this is my opinion. This is my analysis based on what is happening on the platform and based on what Civit AI is telling me, which is nothing. Um, I think there's a very they're trying to walk a very cynical line, like you say, where it's like, technically the policy is no deep fake porn of real people, but clearly that is what people use the site for. And that's what users are talking about. It's what they're talking about in the discord. Um, It's just the result of the platform existing. And it's the most popular content. It's like the most popular content on on the platform is pornographic models and then celebrities. And that brings us to what we just published, which is about the money that is being poured into uh, Civit AI. Uh, Tell us about that. Which VC fund is behind this? So Andreessen Horowitz, which I think is no longer the biggest venture capital firm in the Valley, but I would say it's like a legendary kingmaker venture capital firm um, Mark Andreessen 
half the company's namesake. He's on the board of Facebook. They've invested in Lyft. It's like they gave the seed funding to all these like gigantic tech companies. And we just published a scoop today that Civit AI raised $5.1 million in seed funding in a round that's led by uh, Andreessen Horowitz. And that's important because this particular VC firm, uh, let's say, takes a certain stance specifically on the funding and the development and the regulation around artificial intelligence. Like, what is the context there? Yeah, I think we've discussed uh, in a paywalled podcast the kind of the cultural war in AI between the effective accelerationists and the AI safety people. I'm not going to get into all of that, but I do recommend people go go listen to that because there's a really good breakdown of like the wider cultural context. But Mark Andreessen is just a, what would you call it? Like an open source absolutist or something, or like a technology development absolutist. And his position, he's a techno utopian. He's techno a techno. That's that's a, that's what he calls it. Yeah, he's a techno utopian, and he believes that uh, technology, if we just keep rapidly developing it, it will save all of us. Um, and particular AI is very important, and any attempt to regulate it at all is this regressive, draconian, um, just like anti-intellectual, anti-progress move. And he says in his manifesto that he published, I think a month ago that any form of regulation is a form of murder because by regulating AI, you would be halting technological development that could potentially save lives. So regulation is murder. Um, That that is kind of his position. If he's making an ethical argument there, I just wonder what the ethical justification is for allowing and providing a financial incentive for the generation of non-consensual AI models is like, I'd be curious to know what the, the ethical uh, argument would be there. And I, I imagine it would be something like, well, that's just in the way of the progress that we're going to make. I don't know if that would be explicit. Joseph, I, mean, I don't that, know if you've... that's, that's like, okay, I understand why you're asking that. That's a very earnest question, but I think built in is that Mark Andreessen is also a troll who, attempts to trigger people like all the time with his, you know, the tech manifesto sort of like goes to war with the concept of trust and safety, you know, compares. He's just like, at every turn he tries to push people's buttons in a way that Elon Musk also sort of does. And for years he's sort of like gone to war with the press over you know, them being sticks in the mud who just want to get in the way of things. And I think that this is this is an example of him funding something that nominally has this these other uses. It's like someone on Mastodon just said that we're like mischaracterizing what Civit AI is. And it's like if you go to Civit AI's website, there's like AI generated pictures and models of just like sci-fi uh, like techscapes and like, you know, the sort of normal ai stuff that you see like the very generic ai imagery but it's like if you go half a level down like not even that far under the surface you see like what people are actually using it for and i think that this is one of those companies where if you go to their website and just look at them the front page looks like everything is 
fine and normal and they're generating you know images of a sky city in the year 3000 but one level down from that it's like there's models of real people and things like that so i don't know i'm curious what emmanuel thinks but i i think it's like i think it's a troll investment tbh so i got i got a word that a16z was making this investment and then i woke up this morning and i confirmed it um but when i heard it i was like of course it's like of course this would happen and there's two reasons i think that one is uh a16z has a very uh prolific blog like all its various partners and investors they share their thoughts about all the sectors that they're investing in and they've, they've covered civet ai several times and said how useful it is and how popular it is which it is so it was on their radar so, radar so i knew that and then the other thing is I don't think there is denying the fact that Civit AI is uh, answering some sort of demand in the market. Like it is a very useful tool. Like if it's it's a it's a feature rich platform that is providing a very useful s- service, which is um, like Stable Diffusion is the open source text to image AI model that people are using to do this and it's been open source for a while, but it's really hard to get it to do what you want it to do on your own. And it just sort of created a user-friendly web interface to allow people to modify these AI image uh, generators. And that's obviously useful. I think as I've written before, and this was in response to like another uh, A16Z blog, what everybody in the business, like the investor class, the, the the CEO class in the AI sector, they kind of are in denial about what people are actually using it for. So it's like, yes, people make sci-fi images, people make images of food, people make all kind of like totally fine AI generated images that are cool. But the 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 driving factor here is pornography. And it's pornography in general, and then specifically non-consensual pornography. That's just like, there's no, it's like, they can massage this any way they want. And you can like curate the front page of the website to show not that, but it's like, this is why people are engaging with the site. And this is what people are doing with it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I'll leave that there. Let's take a quick break. And then when we're back, we'll talk about another story on this episode of the Emmanuel Mayberg show, because he published another, (laughs) another investigation into something really important about working conditions at LabCorp, the, you know, one of the biggest uh, testing facilities in the US. We'll be right back after this. People hate marketing, including ads in podcasts, but CodeWord helps brands do it better. The agency's team of 100-plus journalists, designers, strategists, and PR pros helps brands of all sizes create experiences that people care about. That includes sponsoring this podcast with a super short ad. See what CodeWord is all about at CodeWord.agency. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. 
And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. And we're back. Uh, this story, as I said, also written by Emmanuel, is, quote, literally impossible, end quote. LabCorp workers say productivity goals are pushing them to the brink. Uh, obviously, this is a labor story, a health story, also something of a industry monopoly sort of story as well. Um, but like all deep investigations, this started basically with a tip or rather than an experience of yours, right, Emmanuel? So how did you get into this story in in the first place? I'm going to drop some personal news on the audience, which is um, maybe next week or the week after I will like not be on the podcast. And that's because I'll take parental leave because my wife is pregnant and is due soon. And the reason I got interested in LabCorp is um, when one is pregnant, you need to have a lot of tests done, uh, routine tests. And um, one of them requires you to sit at a clinical laboratory where they can draw your blood um, several times over the course of a few hours and um, measure your glucose levels. Uh, just a normal thing that all pregnant women do. Can we pause and, for a minute and yeah. say, why are you just now telling us that you're having a child next week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're wow. learning it as well. No, no, wow, no. let's applause for that. Thank and, you. Um, yeah. 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 Um, no, we knew. Congratulations to all. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, so she spent a lot of time there and she was just texting me while she was sitting there and saying how hectic it was there and how several employees told her directly um, that we're having a hard time or were complaining about working conditions there. And then I was thinking back about experiences that I had at LabCorp and I was like, yeah, it's kind of like hectic um, when I've spent any time at a LabCorp facility. Um, so I went home. And I just started looking online to see if it's something that workers were talking about. And they were. And they were all saying the same thing. And I just started reaching out to them and um, immediately got a lot of uh, responses from people who were like very eager to talk about what was happening at LabCorp. Sure. So yes, you you have this individual experience. You then go out and you try to find other workers to you know, find out what's the actual reason behind all of these workers being rushed and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, there are far too many individual stories in the article article to go into now. But before we talk about the main themes, maybe just actually tell us about the opening story, which is something to do with a severed finger. Uh, what happened there? What's that? So there is a lab court location in Madison, Wisconsin, it's a facility where LabCorp doesn't actually work on the... Well, let me back up and say what LabCorp is. LabCorp is a, is a clinical laboratory where um, you would send your urine, blood, uh, various biopsies, any sort of routine test you do, like blood work, you want to test yourself for kidney stones, uh, a UTI. It's like you go to your doctor, you give a sample, they send it there. Like, I'm sure many of our listeners, when they got, like, blood test results back, 
they see the LabCorp logo at the top of uh, the results. Um, so that's what that is. That is like the core of their business. But they also have this laboratory in Madison, Wisconsin, where they basically do pharmaceutical testing. They uh, do various tests, like, for example, to figure out the dosages of a certain medicine, how long it stays in the blood. Um, they give it to animals. The animal goes through some sort of routine with the medicine. Then the animal dies. And then they do a biopsy on the animal and all this. And then they, you know, take out the organs, put it under a microscope. Um, and all that work is done at this lab in Madison, Wisconsin, which used to be Covents. Um, and it requires the employees to work with like very sharp tools because you need to slice these organs into these like millimeter or micrometer thin sheets that can uh, be looked at under a microscope. Um working with a lot of like hazardous chemicals to uh, preserve the animals, uh, things like this. And uh, what I've heard from a couple of employees there, what I was shocked to learn is that there is a manager there at the, what's called the post-life department um, where they process the dead animals and slice them up. And he kept the severed finger of a former employee in his office and showed it to new employees during their safety orientation to be like, watch out because you don't want to end up like this person and lose your finger during, during, during work. And I, and I have heard from people who work there that you do, you do get injured um, doing this kind of, kind of work. Yeah. A very visceral reminder of what might happen when you're rushing around and trying to meet certain targets but of course that is exactly what LabCorp is uh enabling and breeding right is this is this environment where everybody has to move very quickly what were some of the main themes that came up when you did speak to these workers because I feel like it was the Amazon-like metrics came up, which really stood out to me and Jason, I think. And then you have the monopolization of the market. Are they sort of the two main things that, that came up? Or Yeah, I think what, what made me decide to actually go forward and do the story is when I heard a couple of employees compare working at LabCorp to working at Amazon, uh, at, at Amazon Warehouse, because um, at Motherboard... We worked with uh, the wonderful Lauren Gurley um, doing a lot of Amazon reporting. And Jason and I edited a ton of those stories. And what they, what the LabCorp employees were telling me sounded exactly like what the Amazon workers were telling us. And that is just to increase profits for shareholders. LabCorp, which is a publicly traded company, is just putting more and more pressures on employees. And the way you do that is you just make them do more with less. It's like, we've all been through this. Anyone who works in America is familiar with this, you know, this, this mantra. Um, you just understaff the laboratories and you increase the number of tests that you are asking these employees to complete in a given day. And what the employees say is that if you want to get ahead, if you want to get a promotion, if you want to keep your job, you have to meet these goals. And the only way you can meet these goals is if you cut corners. And that means 
both a harm to yourself because you might cut yourself, you might, um, you know, harm a, a patient because you miss something. Um, you might, if you're a phlebotomist and you're drawing blood, you might miss a vein. Uh, it just, the, the rush and the pressure that all these employees feel kind of seeps into every part of the, the company and potentially uh, patients as well. Yeah, that makes sense. And that, again, the comparison to an Amazon warehouse really stood out to me uh, because, look, obviously working conditions at Amazon can absolutely suck. And now you take that and it's applying to other people's health as well. Just briefly to wrap this up, how does LabCorp's acquisition of tons of other labs uh, play into this? Because they've been very aggressive at buying other locations, right? Uh, yeah, so it's like Amazon, the play here from a business perspective is scale. The more of the lab business across the country that LabCorp owns, the more tests that it's able to run, the cheaper each individual test will cost them, and that will increase the profit margin on every test. So that the strategy and that is the benefit for LabCorp but the downside for workers is that increasingly it's like you don't have anywhere to go right it's not like you can go across the street and be like I'm going to work at this other laboratory it's like that other laboratory is going to be a LabCorp laboratory or it's going to be a Quest Diagnostics laboratory which is the other giant competitor um, that worker said has many of the same issues. Uh, and then for patients, it's also, it's like, you don't have a choice. It's, it's LabCorp and Quest. They own this space. These giant publicly traded companies own this space. And they have this pressure from the market to continue to increase revenue. And the way they're doing that is squeezing workers, which is dangerous for you as a patient. One thing I found to be really interesting from your story is that they would acquire hospitals and acquire hospital labs and stuff like that, and then move a lot of the testing off site. So rather than having people in the hospital, which means you can get the tests back quicker and also means that the people doing the tests are more connected to the doctors and stuff like that. It's like the doctors can go and check with the lab and make sure everything is fine. They sort of move them off site to these bigger lab core you know, warehouse is the wrong word, but like just bigger laboratories. Um, and so rather than processing the five uh, tests that you might be doing for a specific hospital, they're doing, you know, hundreds of tests from every hospital that's nearby, plus people who are walking in off the street for, you know, order tests and stuff like that. And I think that's where the scale comes in, where they can get this sort of like vertically integrated thing it's like they own the hospitals they own or the hospital labs etc and and they sort of are able to centralize it in different places and that's how they were able to push a lot of the competitors out of the market because they're then able to do these tests a lot cheaper uh than an independent lab might be able to but the the work can possibly suffer right yeah um i think i should note that LabCorp employees told me about making mistakes in general, about specific mistakes that they make, 
but the workers themselves don't have a way of knowing that a mistake they made has negatively impacted a patient until that patient sues LabCorp. And that has happened in the past. I do mention um, this lawsuit from 2014 where, um, you know, a woman got a pap smear and it was cleared. It showed that she was negative uh, for signs of cervical cancer, um, which if you catch it early is a very survivable condition. Um, but they didn't catch it early and, and, and she died. And the lawyer in that case who I talked to successfully argued in court and proved in court that the LabCorp employee who did that individual test literally did not have enough time in the day to properly do all the pap smear tests that she needed to do. So their goal was 80 slides a day and you need to spend between like six and eight minutes on each slide. And she, you know, when you factor in breaks and stuff, she had about like six hours and it just literally LabCorp set up a situation where there isn't enough time to properly look at, e- at, at these tests. Um, so yeah, there are, there are real consequences um, to centralizing the labs in this way. The other thing that, uh, you don't get into, but I think that this type of story has also been done about pharmacists in the U.S. And I guess I would just say to people who are interested in this, I would check out some reporting about what pharmacists, especially at companies like CVS and Walgreens, are going through right now. And it's very similar to what Emmanuel reports is happening at laboratories. And there's basically, basically sort of like the infrastructure of our healthcare system is resting on these people who are deeply, deeply overworked, really stressed out. And they're being run by these very large corporations that have centralized power in such a way that it's like, I don't know if you filled a prescription lately, but every time I go to a CVS or Walgreens, the pharmacist is like the most stressed out person that I've ever dealt with. And I feel very terrible for them because they're filling prescriptions. They're sometimes doing uh, like vaccines. They're sometimes doing like very basic tests. Like you can get a a COVID like Paxlovid uh, assessment essentially from a pharmacist now sometimes. And then they're always dealing with some crazy stuff like there's an Adderall shortage and people are trying to get in. They'll be out of stock and their phone's ringing off the hook. And it's just like when I walk into a CVS, that's kind of what I imagine is happening behind the scenes at, at LabCorp. And that's what you have reported here as well. And it's I, very scary. I would add to that. When we were in Motherboard and we did these, we did these Amazon warehouse stories, they did very well. And I think our theory at the time was a, Amazon is a gigantic employer in the country. It's like one of the largest employers in the country. And also so many people use Amazon. They can relate to the story in some way. And I think Jason, to what you're saying, it's like people also relate related to those stories because this is happening to everyone. Like I said, it's like the thing you're describing, like what I say in the story that is happening to LabCorp employees is also happening to pharmacists. And it's also happening in media and it's also happening to Amazon employees. And it's just like the, 
privatization and extraction of value from labor is getting so intense that we are all feeling it. And I think the LabCorp example is just very notable to me because it will, it, it, it is so dangerous. It is so dangerous. It's just like, this is how we find out that people have cancer and this is how we save lives. And we are cutting corners in that part of the country. And it just, to me, it was, it was shocking and, and very scary. Yeah, my sentiments exactly. I do encourage people to go read the full piece. It's long and it's detailed and it's exceptionally well reported. Something like 10 sources are in there. So definitely go check it out if if you're interested in that. If you're listening to the free version of this podcast, I'll now play us out. But if you're a subscriber, it's time to talk about how the brand safety industry is destroying parts of online media something that obviously is important to us as a subscriber-powered company. So you can subscribe and gain access to that content at 404media.co. As a reminder, 404 Media is journalist-founded and supported by subscribers. If you wish to subscribe to 404 Media and directly support our work, please go to 404media.co. You'll get unlimited access to our articles and an ad-free version of this podcast. You'll also get to listen to the subscribers-only section where we talk about a bonus story each week. Another way to support us is by leaving a five-star rating and review for the podcast. That stuff really helps us out. This has been... 404 Media. We will see you again next week.